Well, I want to thank Pastor Otis and Stacy for having us. Bless you and for pioneering such a beautiful work here in Florida. I really sense the Holy Spirit. The worship is amazing and anointed, and the people of God are hungry. I brought with me my wife, Michelle, can you stand, of 27 years. <clears throat> I tell you, um, she is definitely the better half of the two. And I want to give a shout out to my family at the Bridge Church who are watching us now live. God bless you. I think of you. I miss you. I heard it was glorious this morning. Let's welcome Holy Spirit. We thank you just for the sovereign presence of the Lord. We thank you that you will anoint me to articulate, communicate what the Spirit says to the church. I thank you that they have ears to hear and hearts to receive, Father. We thank you that even as I speak, Lord, miracles, signs, wonders, infallible proofs of the resurrection of Jesus are happening. Even as your people are in their seats, Lord, I, I really do witness with that miracle anointing. You don't have to wait for a word of knowledge. You don't have to wait for me to acknowledge your condition. The Holy Spirit is healing somebody right now. He's delivering you. He's setting the captives free. He's doing something amazing. Don't miss tonight. We are going to lay hands on as many people as we can, and God is going to move mightily. Say amen. Amen. Well, let me get right into the Word of God. And as I was flying over into the United States from South Africa, the Lord showed me America and how America has lost its freedom. Please, I don't say this dogmatically, I don't say this critically, and I don't judge America, nor do I judge the church. But I saw in the spirit the freedom in which America thought it had, but around that freedom was a perimeter. And the Lord said, America has lost its freedom, and they don't even know it. Now, please listen. Sadly, he said, some of my churches, not this church, and not all the churches, so please let me just clarify that. But he said, some of the churches and some of my people are also included in that. They've been in it for so long, they forgot what true freedom is. Reminded me of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt for so long that when God wanted to deliver them, they did not recognize what true freedom was. They only succumbed to what they were used to. That spiritual complacency and that spiritual apathy. So they they couldn't tell the distinction between freedom and bondage, freedom and restriction. So the Lord said, America is not free. And some, let me clarify, say some. Say not this place. Say some are also included in this, the church. But that is going to change. I believe that as a church in America worldwide, we're all going through a metamorphosis. It's the changes coming from the inside out. And oftentimes, we view everything in the context of the nation we live in. We are in the West, and South Africa is Africa, but there's a lot of Westernized theology, Westernized perspective in our churches all over the world. I think one of the biggest mistakes the Western church has made is trying to be missionaries to nations and trying to change our cultures. It's a mistake. Let nations express their faith the way they should and how they ought to. The West has done so much good. The West has pioneered education, medical, scientific breakthroughs, and all the great things. But I'm telling you right now, America has lost its freedom. 
And it's up to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to experience true freedom, to bring a nation out of bondage and into the liberty of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to understand that. We are coming to the close of an era in the church. My heart is heavy. My heart is trembling. The old model of church and what it used to be, the structures, the old wineskins, formality, will no longer be able to merge into this kingdom age, into the era in which the church is being birthed into. I see it in South Africa. We're in a, we're in a time of crisis. We're in a time of crisis, and we're in a time of travail, and we're in a time of birthing. And the question is asked, church doesn't work. How you're having church, is it working? I had to ask the hard question in South Africa. When lockdown came, the pandemic came, farms, bloodshed, political corruption, load shedding, our power grids and our power stations are failing, it could be we can be thrown into a dark spell for the rest of the year. Anything is possible. Will our churches function? And will our churches thrive? And will our churches arise in the time of crisis with hope? Well, when we went into this pandemic, it revealed the flaws in the church. Not in Christ. Christ has no flaws. This didn't catch them by surprise, but it caught the people of God off guard. It caught the prophets off guard. It caught the church off guard. And the question needs to be asked, who has ears to hear? Are we ready for this next baptism of fire? Are we ready for this next shaking that's coming to America? Are we ready for this next global shaking that's still coming to the world? Because it's not over. I am so sorry to tell you it's not over. Through much tribulation, the church will enter the kingdom. It won't come through ease and it won't come through comfort because anything that doesn't cost you anything will not be merged into the kingdom. It will not be worth anything. We want ease in Zion. I want true fire. God's looking for a church without spots and blemish. I asked myself that hard question. Is the current model of the church mirroring Christ? Mirroring Christ and the model that he displayed through his disciples. If you can all just praise the God for a moment, please. Lift up your hands. Come on. Excuse me. It's all that good southern food. I should have stayed away from that bacon. The Lord asked this question to me when the pandemic hit, and I'm going to share them with you as honest as I could. He asked me these questions because the church failed to rise to the occasion in crisis. And it was only a pre-trial. It was only a pretest. You've got to be honest with yourself if you're going to be ready for what's coming to the nations of the world. It's a baptism of fire, but it's necessary. God doesn't want to deliver you out of trouble. He wants to go with you through the trouble. 
Please have discernment. I'm not saying he's getting you sick and he's getting you divorced and getting you in trouble broke. I'm saying there's national trouble on the horizon. There's political trouble still on the horizon. God bless you, brother. Thank you. There's trouble that's on the horizon, even in my nation. I'd be a lying prophet if I told you everything was going to be well and everything was going to be smooth. That's not the word of the Lord. We can't put our nation to South Africa to sleep. We're in a time of trouble. But out of trouble comes the birthing of a new church age. I told our church businessmen before this pandemic hit, I saw the trees of South Africa being shaken. I saw businessmen with baskets gathering the fruits of the land. And the Lord said, there's coming an economical opportunity for my people that have ears to hear. That if they will respond by the Spirit, we will be able to arise and we will be able to have hope and bring reformation in a time of trouble. But sadly, too many of the people and too many of the church were looking inwardly and living a self-preserved life and living behind, you know, nice picket fences and thinking about how we're going to build our own kingdoms. And the church, for the most part, missed the opportunity to arise. The church missed the opportunity. But that's okay because God's giving us a second chance. Because he's a merciful God. So the Lord asked me these three questions. And I shared this with my congregation many times. And it's something that we have to ask ourselves. And you know, when the Lord asks you a question, he doesn't expect you to answer. He doesn't expect you to be clever. He asks you a question because you're not seeing something that he sees and he wants you to know. Say amen. Amen. He said, Patrick, what's important in your life right now? What's important in your life right now and what is not? What is of eternal value and what is of earthly value in your life? What are you busy with? That's a big question. Are you preoccupied with the things of this world that perish with time? Are you storing up treasures on earth where moth and rust and thieves break in and steal? Or are your treasures with me in heaven? What are you so busy about? What's life really about, Patrick? Now, obviously, being prophetic, every dialogue I have has to do with the church, has to do with me, and has to do with my local church. I know every experience I have is for the body, for myself, and for my local church. Then he asked me this other question. How are you building my people? How are you discipling my church? With gold, silver, and precious stone? Or with wood, hay, and straw? In other words, what material are you discipling the church with? Is it tried in the fire? Or is it a quick fix? Man's wisdom, man's program? Because listen, it's important that you build with material that has been tried by the fire. Because if not, the people of God will fall away and be despondent and be broken and confused. You can't always be smooth with the church. You have to be rather truthful than love. It's not negative. It's actually quite positive. So I was shaken, and then he asked me this next question. What fruit are you bearing right now in your life that is of any eternal value? What fruit are you bearing that will testify of me before men and glorify my Father? 
I knew what he meant because you can't bear fruit without abiding in him. For without me, he says, you can do nothing. So we found COVID to be a time of revival, a time of healing and restoration. And please, I sympathize. I lost good friends. I'm not saying God brought COVID. I'm not saying God killed people. That's not my theological standpoint. But what I'm saying is, sovereignly, God allowed COVID to come. And COVID tested the church of what sort it was. Churches to this day never reopened. Churches were scattered. The sheep were scattered. The prophets missed it. God allowed the prophets to miss it. Because the prophets got used to prophesying from outside of the Holy of Holies. And they got so comfortable with their gift. So God said, I'm going to let the prophets miss it. So they can come to a place of repentance, humility. And they can come to a place of prophesying out of my presence. And out of intimacy and out of relationship with me. And I'm going to allow my church to go through the fire. But not that they'll be destroyed. Because no weapon formed against them will prosper. I'm going to cause my church to be shaken. I'm going to cause my church to be purified. And you say, well, pastor, I just don't know if I believe that doctrine. Well, then you don't believe the roots of where you come from. Because the early church was born in blood. The early church was born in martyrdom. Oh, I want the power of the early church. Do you want the suffering of the early church? Do you want the bloodshed of the early church? Do you want the martyrdom of the early church? Do you want the persecution of the early church? Oh, we want revival. And we want the glory of God. Well, so do I. And God wants it for us as a nation and as a people. So the crisis revealed the flaws in our own foundation. The word of God declares in 1 Corinthians 3, 11 and 15. He said, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid. Foundations were laid bare. I said foundations were laid bare. People found out whether they were in this gospel and they were in Christ through hell and through high water, through life and through death. It was no longer about convenience. It was no longer about a bumper sticker on the back of your car. It was no longer about when things just really went well, I'm going to serve Jesus. No, no, no. Foundations in the church were laid open, bare and naked for all to see how they were built. It was a baptism of mercy. It was a baptism of grace. We all fell short of the glory. I don't think there's one man that can stand and say everything was well and there was no fault in me. He said, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear. Say clear. In other words, it becomes evident. Not only on that day, we got a pretaste of glory divine. God will allow what is to come on that last day to come prior to that day to prepare his bride and to prepare the church for this new church age. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. 
If anyone's work which he has built endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved through his fire. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Trials and tests and difficulties are necessary to bring forth maturity. God allowed Israel to wander in the wilderness longer than they expected because God was trying to birth something in them in which they refused. The church was exposed, but not to shame, to correction. Why? Because God loves his people and God will not allow his people to be ashamed. Our pursuit of our earthly kingdoms as opposed to God's kingdom, our minds as opposed to the mind of Christ, making disciples after the church that has not been tested or tried by the fire and not disciples of Christ, which produces true sons and daughters. I often ask myself, in which model are we building and where did we get the model? Who told us that this was the way to do it? Who instructed us? By which model are we living our lives every day? Many Christians became despondent. But many were revived. Many were awakened. And many came to Christ. And many bore much fruit. Say amen. First Corinthians 2, 9 and 14 says, It is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. You got that? He says, I has not seen. God will cause the eyes of the prophets to be blinded. God will cause ears to be closed. But there's a purpose in it. It's called maturity. Sometimes we lean on our spiritual gift and we forget to lean on on the giver of the gift. Sometimes we lean on our prophetic utterances and our visions and our dreams when our heart is departed from the presence of God. We've departed from the fear of the Lord. We no longer tremble in fear at His name. We utter foolishly prophecies and declarations and we're doing it from outside of a place of reference, outside of a place of intimacy. The Bible says that men of old were prophesied or men of old were moved upon by the Holy Ghost and then they prophesied because they were moved upon by the wind of the Spirit. So God calls ears not to see and hearts not to hear. Intentionally, this pandemic caught everybody off guard. For the most part, the majority of the church didn't know what hit them. Because God wanted to test in which we were building with. Which material? Ask yourself as individuals. I'm not talking about the assembly of the gathering of the saints, and I'm not talking about your leadership. I'm talking about the saints. Where were you? Were you ready? Were you full of oil or were you despondent you know we had men in our church going crazy because they realized that they were hiding behind their work and they couldn't be home with their wives 24 7 their children irritated them they became agitated it's so easy to hide behind what we do 
But when trouble comes and restricts us, who we are is revealed. And God says, now it's time to purify. Now it's time to mature. Now it's time to, come on, rectify the things that I want right in us. Are you with me? God has revealed them to us. I has not seen nor ear heard the things or entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Does he love us? Yes. But what's your definition of love? God loved his only son and gave him up to a rugged old cross. What's your definition of love? God loves me. I'll never go through suffering. That's not the gospel. Who wants to be my disciple? Raise your hand. Oh, by the way, you're going to be martyred. By the way, you're going to be hated. You're going to be betrayed. Which gospel are we preaching? How are we preparing the church in America for what is on the horizon? How are we going to prepare the people of God when our enemies invade our land and take our freedom? i got to ask myself back in South Africa, how do we prepare God's people for the fire? And for the baptism we're about to go through. Yes, revival. Yes, reformation. Yes, miracles, signs, and wonders. But it's not all glorious. You can't have real healing without a real pandemic. I said you can't have real healing without a real pandemic. And I think we missed it. Ministry, healing ministry shut down for the most part. Controlled. Coward. The Lord said, Patrick, in trouble is the birthing of a real healing ministry. In times of unrest is the real birthing of a prophetic voice. An apostolic movement. In times of difficulty, will my church be born a new church age, a new era of how I want my church to operate and function in the kingdom? It ain't going to come in good times because in good times, the people go astray. In good times, it's church as usual. I'm not praying for trouble, please. I don't think any Christian in their right mind, not even the Apostle Paul in the early church, prayed for what they went through. That would be psychopath. But they embraced whatever came their way. So the Lord told me, you missed the opportunity, church. Trouble was at your doorstep. And you missed the opportunity to arise. To win a nation. To not be confused or double-minded. To have a clear voice for the nation of America. To bring hope, reformation, and bring the kingdom. We missed it. And we really have to be honest with ourselves. And I'm concerned about the homes. I'm concerned about our children. I'm concerned about the fiber of a nation that's lost its freedom and they don't know it. Church as usual will no longer work. Aren't you glad you have a pastor that's hungry for God? Shared his testimonies with me and it it just stirred my heart. I said, Lord, that's what I want. That's what we're hungering for. 
God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given us to, uh, to us by God. These things we also speak not in words with man's wisdom teaches, but that which the Holy Spirit teaches. Amen. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. But the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God because they're foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. God's doing something in secret. This metamorphosis is taking place. The old is shedding away. The wineskins is being put off of us. A church in the spirit is being born. The model that Christ is trying to birth in the church is going to look like Christ. How did Christ model his life? He went about doing the father's business. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good for God was with him. Jesus said in John 5, 19, I don't have time to turn there. He said, I only do what I hear the Father say. I only do and see what he does. In other words, I'm in union with him and I'm walking in the spirit. And this is the model for the church to be born into. We can't go on. I don't know what has been passed on to us from our fathers and good ideas and westernized theology. If it's not tried in the fire, if it wasn't born in affliction, if it wasn't born in agony, if it wasn't born in blood, if it wasn't born on the mountain, I don't want it. It's not going to last. It's, it's going to fail you, church. None of you would dare just mix concrete with cheap sand or however you do it. And none of you would dare lay a foundation down and erect a house upon that. You builders would know. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. The way I build it, it's going to be right. It's going to be a spirit-born church. It's not going to have mixture. We're not going to call the precious. Uh, we're not going to mix the precious and the vile. We're not going to call good evil and evil good. We're going to make sure that the mortar and the brick of the church is tried in the fire and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm going to build my church by revelation. I'm going to build it by intimacy. I'm going to build it on the mountain. It's not going to come in the time of convenience. It's not going to come in the time where everything is going well. Why? Because the church age is going to emerge. You are those living stones. Jesus told Peter in Matthew 16, 18, 19, he said, Peter, on the rock or the revelation, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Do you know how complicated that really sounds to me? Jesus was rejected. And the disciples, out of sync with God's heart, said, can we call down fire on them? Because Elijah did, and can we call? He rebuked them, and he said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Wow. This pandemic revealed the spirit of the church. When they spewed out hate and the pointing of the finger, instead of, come on, allowing love, affirmation, and revelation to come forth as a sound anchor in a storm for the world to follow. We begin to point fingers at politicians. We became shameful in our conduct. Our prophets became shameful in their prophecies and their reluctancy to repent and humble themselves and say, I missed it. 
They missed the opportunity to have a new anointing and a new mantle come upon them. But there is mercy. There is a nation. There is a generation who the eagles will again see and they will soar and they will prophesy and they will decree a thing and it will be established. The church people became frustrated Began to blame the nation. Began to blame the government. Began to talk propaganda. Got out of the spirit. Got in the flesh. You missed the opportunity to build the altar. To bring the Ark of the Covenant back home. It was an opportunity. God was saying, listen, I'm going to allow your churches to be shut down. I'm looking for some Obed-Edoms. Who will take my Ark to their house. Yeah, the church was closed down. You missed the opportunity to become an Obed-Edom and said, I will house the Ark of the Covenant. I will cater to the presence of God in my home. And I will make those around me envious when they see the blessing of stability, power, love, and of a sound mind in a time of trouble. Instead, we complained and we murmured and we missed the opportunity to be an Obed-Edom And have the ark of God's presence in our house. Oh, did I enjoy lockdown? Did I enjoy the feasting of the Lord? Come away with me in the the song of Solomon's. We just had intimate dialogue and love. And I'm going to be quite honest with you. When it all ended, I said, oh, don't let me ever live outside of this presence. No matter how it came. It was inconvenient. It was painful. I went crazy like most of you. Oh, I wanted my freedom. I didn't realize how much me was living through me until I was told what I couldn't do. And man, I felt like the Israelites. I felt like Jeremiah in a prison. I felt no different than the Apostle Paul who was taken around in prison to prison. I felt like Peter when the Holy Ghost said, when you're older, your hands will be bound and you're going to be taken where you don't want to go. I thought, Lord, what are you doing? He said, Patrick, I'm maturing and I'm birthing a new church age. The old must fall away and the new must come. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be inconvenient. It's not going to be in a time of abundance. But if you have ears to hear, here and hearts to receive you will be that new man and you will be that new church and then the kingdom will emerge and the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our God and his Christ don't all shout at once you are the living stones but you forgot how they make you know brick and mortar has to be put in the heat I don't want to put any bricks on my house that haven't been forged in the heat. Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 5, you are the living stones being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable through Christ Jesus. You are that holy priesthood. In other words, you can't be a profane priesthood. You can't be a Nahab and Abihu offering strange fire. You can't be the sons of Eli. He said, I'm looking, excuse me, for a holy priesthood. And the only way I can have a holy priesthood is if I allow the fire to purify the church in America and the church worldwide. Now, I know this is not a theology you want and nobody likes to hear, but I have the Bible to back me up. I have the B-I-B-L-E to back my preaching up. 
We've just learned to ignore the obvious at the expense of the truth. But when trouble comes, we wonder why we fail. God says, that's not going to happen. I love my bride. I love my church. I'm raising up prophetic voices. I'm raising up a new breed of people, a new breed of believers that will not be moved by flesh and blood, will not be sold, will not be prostituted, will not get their gifts for gain. I believe he's found a people in Florida who said, we have ears to hear. We have a heart to receive. you got pastors, man, that are hungry for God, that are covenant with, with men and women of God. Are you with me? Preaching myself happy. God told Moses in Exodus 25, 8 through 9, He said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. We're talking about the pattern that Christ modeled. He first showed Moses the sanctuary before Moses built the tabernacle. How many of us built our churches and built our families and built our lives on hearsay rather than waiting on God? While the fire tested it. And unfortunately, some of those churches, by the grace of God, are no longer existing, but they're saved as through by fire. He said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you. That is the pattern of the tabernacle, the pattern of all its furnishing, just so you shall make it. That's how you're going to make it. Exodus 26, 30. You shall raise up a tabernacle according to its pattern where I've shown you on the mountain. Moses was on the mountain with God. But God showed Moses in Hebrews 8, 5. It was only a shadow of what existed in the spirit. Moses in Hebrews 8, 5 was divinely instructed. Say divinely instructed. When he was about to build his church, build a habitation for God's presence, he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. We just can't gather as we want. Are we building our houses? Are we building our churches after the similitude of what God shows us on the mountain? Are you building your homes? Because it's going to be tested by fire. It's going to be tested by fire. Did we inherit ideas without mountaintop experiences? Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. He modeled what it was. And he passed it on to his disciples. And his disciples passed it on to their disciples. And in the midst of chaos and persecution, they met house to house. Breaking bread, fellowshipping. Continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That every home must become a church. Every home must become a center of hope. Every church must be a home of deliverance, signs and wonders, and the fear of the Lord. Every home must be an Obed-Edom's home. You can't hope for your church to be open every Sunday. If it's closed down, are you going to lose your salvation? Are you going to lose your hope? Are you going to grow strong? Are you going to disciple your community? Are you going to disciple your nations? What happened in lockdown? How many churches went out into the streets, went door to door, went place to place, and said, we have hope? No, you didn't. You complained. 
You thought about self-preservation. Let's be honest. You thought about me, myself, and I. And the world was out there hopeless and confused and not knowing what to do. And for the most part, we missed the greatest harvest. Not you. Not us. We, we were ready by this much. We got in just by the skin of our teeth. It was harvest time. Trouble is necessary for the harvest. Sinners won't be saved when they don't need to be saved. Please understand my heart. God bless America. No. God shake America. Why do I want America blessed if they keep pointing their fist at God and think they're invincible and think they don't need God and the church is saying, God bless America. Be careful what you bless because you might be keeping the sinner away from Christ. My prayer is, God save America. Whatever it takes, God shake America. God awaken America. God deliver America. God help South Africa, no matter what it takes. You hear my spirit, right? God bless America. Really? I love America. I was born in this land, but not the America I see today. It's different. It's lost its soul. And the only living light in, the, in this nation is the church. Right. You're the salt and you're the light. And if you lose your saltiness, you're good for nothing. God told Moses, you build my tabernacle according to what I've shown you on the mountain. Tabernacles built on the mountain will be the ones that endure and birth the church into the new church era. Exodus 33, 7 and 9. Moses took his tent, listen very carefully, and he pitched it outside the camp. Far from the camp, and he called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle, the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. Sometimes God removes you out of the familiar. He removes you out of convenience. He removes you out of comfort. And God just allowed crisis to remove people out of the camp so they can begin to meet with God. No, I'm not advocating missing church. Please have ears to hear. That's not what I'm, I'm a pastor. I want folks to come fill my chairs. It's important. But Moses had to get out of the camp. And it was only outside the camp that he was able to meet with God and the glory of God came. 
Pre-COVID, we were all in the camp and we were all having fun and God's glory had departed from the church and the church didn't even know it. Charismatic, you know, church stuff. Didn't even know, discern whether the glory was there, the glory was not. Don't even discern the spirit or not. Just going on business as usual. God said, time to pull the curtain. Time to pull the plug. This ain't going to work. This ain't going to baptize the nation. This ain't going to bring the church in this apostolic age that we're entering. The church has to be prepared. The prophets have to be prepared. The disciples have to be prepared. We have to have ears to hear. We're about to be born into a new church era, and we're going to influence every kingdom in this nation with the power and the glory and the accuracy of the Spirit. It's not just going to be a one-man show. It's going to be a body of believers that walk in the fear of God and that walk in the glory of God and that walk in the power of God. Say, that's me. Say, I have ears to hear. We have to make a decision. Exodus 33, 14, and 16. Man, I'm trying to hurry along. This is new for me. It's awesome. Back home, they're going to say, I knew you can do it, Pastor. My last scripture and ending. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest, church. And Moses said, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? So shall we be separate, from separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Let's stand to our feet. We make a decision. I ask the Lord, how will this come? When we make a decision like Moses, we're not going to move. We're not going to do anything unless your presence goes before us. And if we can't discern your presence, how will the world discern you and me from them? Father, we thank you this morning just for the presence of the glory of the Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you do a work in this house, a tangible, supernatural impartation, revelation work of God. We submit this to you. We thank you for the fruit of this word. We thank you for the miracles, the signs, and the wonders. We thank you for hope and love, and most importantly, the presence of God that births this new church and these people in their homes. And everybody say, amen. Amen. God bless you.